Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Yes, if you are not aware, we do podcast and video show for these chats. So if you're on one, please hop by the other uh, and check out what's going on. So my name is Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, we have another, I guess it's a, this will be an industry nuts and bolts. Let's say, let's say that. Uh, this is the guts of the industry. This is how we, how we get the games to the table. So a couple of months ago, I had on James Hudson and Danny Lowe, who work for respective companies, uh, and they talked about Kickstarter. They talked about crowdfunding. They talked about bringing games to our table, and we got real honest about like you know our uh, their frustrations with the platform, and you know from as a backer, uh, you know my things that I was seeing from the outside, and it was a very interesting conversation. Uh, so as uh, my friend and I were talking before the call, things have been happening. Moving and shaking has been happening. Uh, so I wanted to have this man on. He is the person or one of the people that is on the team responsible for a new crowdfunding platform or uh, a, an old company, but like a new endeavor within that uh, environment. More crowdfunding. We got more options, people. This is really exciting. And I really want to hear about the moving and shaking that's going on. He is Jason Fury. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. Uh, always good to, to hang out. Love your content. So appreciate the opportunity and uh, a lot of moving and shaking, hopefully uh, both in the right direction. So it's, it's been really fun to be front row for this process. You know, like you mentioned, Backer Kit's been around for a while. Yep. Kickstarter has been around for a while. So this is a moment um, I thought was inevitable. So we're finally here. So I think this is a really exciting time. Lots of Jasons, lots of moving around, lots of Jasons. <laughs> never, uh, much like crowdfunding platforms, there's never enough. We just never... keep, keep bringing them into the world. So absolutely. <laughs> uh, so okay, so let's talk about Backerkit. You know, we we've, we've heard this name, sure. and it's one of those uh, companies. It's one of those brands that we hear about it, but we, you know, it's in the it was it's in the the gears. You know, so it's like we don't sure. know about the cogs and the gears and everything. Uh, so talk about Backerkit before this new initiative. And so that how, and how that leads up to the new initiative. Sure. Well, Backerkit's been around for around, you know, 10 plus years. It's been in the system for a long time. Most people are familiar with this because if you fill out a survey from backing a crowdfunding project, whether it be through Kickstarter, Indiegogo, what have you, you're probably getting a Backerkit survey. We have a pretty big uh, market share there. A lot of customers, whether they know our name or not, probably use Backerkit if you pledge for anything on, on mm-hmm. a crowdfunding site. Um, so talk predominantly, a bit about like what it is, you know, like what, what it is. You so said yeah, predominantly, uh, Backerkit is a toolkit for once you are successfully funded. So they call it pledge management or a pledge manager. And once you are successfully funded on a crowdfunding campaign, you would use Backerkit to continue the mo- momentum from your campaign. And you do that through opening up a pre-order store right away, sending surveys to your backers to get them to mm. either buy more, give you your shipping costs if you're charging shipping later, correct uh, information from like addresses and stuff like that. So you would give them this backer survey, which is like our most powerful tool before this happened. And uh, that's how you can make sure the right people get the right thing on time accurately. And 
a, a pattern we saw was a lot of people had to become business managers overnight. And that's very challenging. A lot of these teams running games and anything else across category, it's really small teams of people. So we were trying to do a lot of the legwork for you. So, you, you know, we've got your back. We're there. We can help you out. We can organize your data, make CSV imports and exports and all that kind of fun stuff that you just have to own, uh, not so painful because mm -hmm. it can be really difficult. Um, so it's both a product and we're going to focus, you know, on like pledge management and stuff, but it's also like a service. So there's people behind the product that walk people through it and help out. So it's really a, a great mixture of a tool, like a physical tool that you can use and learn and then continue to use. Um, but it's also our team behind the scenes answering questions. We're, we're always joking that we're basically a consulting service, even though we don't charge for it, but we're always showing people the ropes and stuff like that. And it is all baked into the, to the product. So people have a really good experience mm -hmm. and both creators and backers, not just the creators. We wanna make sure that the crowdfunding experience uh, is fruitful and smooth and fun for everybody because like we'll talk about later without the backers it doesn't really mean much like if right. they're not supporting you your product's not getting made you're not playing the game so right. we really really like to highlight both experiences from a creator point of view and a backer point of view so we can have uh, you know the best relationship possible we want you to do it again we want backers to come back we want creators mm -hmm. to come back so that's kind of our focus um and then just briefly We've kind of extended ourselves a little bit to the before you would launch section. We have something called BackerKit Launch, which is us acknowledging the power of the email. If you're a creator, you know this. Uh, social media is great. Other things are great. But if you don't have a solid, dedicated like email list that you can point people to when you launch your campaign, uh, it's going to be really difficult. My uh, analogy that I always use, which people are getting sick of, is the platforms in a lot of cases are the venue, and it's up to you to bring the party. So you have to bring the people to it. It's not always the platform doing all the work for you, even though some people have that misconception. They think that, oh, the platform's, my thing's cool. The platform's just going to get it funded because it's If I cool. build it, they will it's come. Just, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not real. <laughs> That's just not how it works. I would love it if that works and we can all strive to like push towards that reality, but uh, not there yet. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, I mean, it takes a lot of work from the creator. <laughs> let's absolutely, I want to pause there because I think there is a little bit of a misunderstanding about like, you know, social media ads and, you know, the blast and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm an old Gen Xer and I remember my, I've had my email 20 years, but like, you know, you see that the younger people, they me don't even, they might even have email, right. Or they don't even know email. It's right. like, okay, well just text me or, or whatever. But like, you're saying that no, 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 hold on a second. <laughs> let's not, <laughs> let's not throw away this tool. So like in terms of the actual, like, you know, exchange, like emails and email blasts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's really, really important. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm putting on my marketing hat for a little bit. I think one of the main reasons might, it, it might sound obvious, but it doesn't seem obvious based on just interacting with different creators and people over time. Email is still one of these old school marketing strategies that still works, even right. with all the advancements in technology and phones in our pockets and doing what we're doing right now, email is still king because it is something that you have to at least delete or unsubscribe from or interact with in some way throughout your routines. Uh, social media algorithm might completely miss it. You know, sure there's spam folders and stuff like that, but For statistically sure. speaking, let's say open rates are decent. You have to at least say no thanks or not right now, or maybe I'll get back to it later. So it's always kind of in your mind. So mm -hmm. we've just been researching this uh, just 
year after year after year listening to creators how do you leverage this how, how how often do you message them what kinds of things how many images are involved so we really try to fine tune all of those learnings and put it into the product and have things that work for everybody that you know ultimately gets you to the page gets you to purchase the item gets you to interact in some way with the creator um but yeah if there's one thing i can say and like we're about to cut out and be like emails are powerful and then i get like i would just I can't stress that enough. Everything I do day in and day out with Backerkit, uh, a lot of it hinges on that. And it's not just the email, it's the relationships that you've built with mm -hmm. people to get the email. I'm assuming you've established trust enough to get that email. And sure. that's, you know, personal information. That's something that's sacred. You want to take care of it and treat it right. But um, it's really the people behind the email. And that's just one of the gestural things they're doing saying like, yeah, I think you're cool. Or I think this product's cool. Uh, sign me up. And then it's now your job to uh, sell them and push them forward and convince them that the game is something that they want on their table. We're absolutely, this whole conversation is going to um, revolve around trust, revolve around creator trust, revolve around consumer trust. I just want to set the scene a little bit more in terms of the nuts and bolts and make sure we are kind of like all everybody in the audience on the same page. Okay. So like it started as a pledge manager, right? And we're aware of pledge right. manager, like, you know, the crap that it ends, they don't disappear. Like you have to do your pre-orders. You have to, you know, um, see where things are and check the address and everything. So like that. So uh, backer kit filled in a lot of that stuff. And now there's this additional piece of like, you know, the pre and like, like getting the, the word out beforehand. Uh, so mm -hmm. then now where now this is, so that's what, that's very much like kind of back end, right? You know, and creators, creators really need to know this stuff in order to launch. But, you know, for us people, it's just like a click and we move on with our lives. What we right. as consumers are very interested in is the obviously the actual thing that's happening and you know the the the, the project right and how can I press my right. buttons and you know I'll pay my money and you've gotten into that <laughs> backer kid has gotten right. into that too so talk a little bit about that because it was a it was quite the announcement like it was very it's much like it definitely <laughs> felt like uh, yeah. okay this was cooking for a very very long time uh, so is that right. did I get the right impression then? I think so. And I think a few things, a few like housekeeping things is, you know, Kickstarter has been doing this for a really long time. Their leader, you know, they've, they're, we think Kickstarter is awesome. They're ecosystem friends. We personally know a lot of people that work there. You know, our business has depended on them being successful. Sure. So we were wanting to be successful alongside with them and give creators tools that would help empower them to make the cool stuff that big manufacturers wouldn't commit to without big down payments or whatever. So um, yeah, you could say this journey started the minute the company started, because mm -hmm. what the company does, and one of the reasons I, I work at Backer, I've been there for about five years. Uh, during a time I started when I wasn't actively looking for jobs, I was happy just being an artist working at comic shops and making ends meet, you know, but it's really all about the creator and what the creator needs. And being able to adapt in an environment because their needs are constantly evolving and constantly changing. So we're always listening. We always like to tell people that we don't invent anything. We just listen to creator experiences and backer experiences. We look for patterns within those experiences and we try and create product around those experiences and those patterns to help enable the next person in line to be successful. So of course, if someone has a problem and it's really niche or small and it's just like, oh, that we can help you, but that's not like a big problem that we see we can kind of help but if it's something that like time and time again oh this really helps like like add-ons for example that wasn't a thing that's something that like got added later but backer kids been doing it all along because we know people wanted it creators asked for it backers asked for it so we create it so 
really that journey to getting to a crowdfunding platform is we're kind of like surrounding the, the castle a little bit where we've got the end covered and it's really solid. And we've kind of like stretched that as far as it can go and at least got it to a comfortable place. And then we kind of looped around to the beginning mm. and we're stretching that and getting to a really comfortable place. And then there's that middle section that isn't really innovating that much. So the complexity of the projects that are launching on this platform, their needs are getting more complicated. The ebbs and flows of how they sell their product and make their product is getting more complicated. So we Absolutely. need to listen and figure out how to help them. So mm -hmm. the, the current platforms haven't really addressed a lot of those ebbs and flows that we see with our creators to help that middle part be more innovative. So let's talk about the middle part. The middle part is, you know, launch <laughs> and, you know, and all the interaction right. happen. So like you said, it's getting more complicated. So I think back to like the beginning of crowdfunding, like we're talking alien frontiers, you know, the very, the original sure. board game that was, that was back and, and Kickstarter has always done a lot of different things. We just from board game and we know that. Uh, and mm -hmm. then there was some evolution and then, you know, a big projects like King Death Monster and Exploding Kittens came out. And then, you know, and, and, you know, like there's a lot of like, Ben benchmarks like Blood Rage was also a big one uh, early. So sure. then these are these aren't like little games. I mean these are pretty you know complex and good games and they stand up today. So help mm -hmm. us understand in a concrete way how today's games need more than those games. Right. So I think you know I, I've seen some of your past interviews. I, I know you understand this, but just for the sake of the conversation. A lot of the reason why tabletop game makers get into crowdfunding to begin with is because the things that they want to make, it's becoming increasingly difficult to pitch that to a manufacturer right. or a company or sell, you know, sell it to a licensed agency or something like that. Right. To make these cool games that we're playing, this whole wave of like indie games that maybe evolve into being bigger games that you see at Target and whatever big box stores, but like crowdfunding really enables those people to make exactly what they want. Sure. Uh, whether it's the miniatures, whether it's the, the rule set, the books, the subject matter, there's so many things that it, it takes to do this. So crowdfunding is really like, it's a great marketing tool too, because you get to validate your product before you even make it. So mm -hmm. you can launch a project and be as confident as you want. But once you hit that launch button, it's up to the backers to say yes or no at that point. So um, really it's, it's a priceless opportunity for you to gut check yourself. And obviously you're doing that when you're play testing and you're doing that with your email marketing and your social media and stuff like that. But the true test is, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to get an email. It's another thing to get someone to open up their wallet and support you and share your project and play your game. So um, I think it's really important uh, to, to listen to what new games, how, how are, how is the gaming industry like pushing those boundaries? What, what's the next wild idea around the mm -hmm. corner? Cause my theory is they're always going to be going to something like crowdfunding because the, the big industry hasn't changed that much as far as like pitching. Like I've got a lot of game ideas. I can't just be like, Hey target, I got an idea right. for you. It's just not going to work. There's a process and it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Um, so I think it's just really important for us to respond to that and listen to that. And a lot of, a lot of this hinges on, pre-existing relationships we we've had with these creators a lot of these companies you mentioned like i know kingdom death and exploding kittens for example and tons and tons of other big ones they've been using backer kit for years and years and years mm -hmm. on multiple projects so it's really we just listen to them and listen to their needs and the reason for jumping into this which i know we'll talk about more in a little bit isn't us just being like we want a piece of the pie we're going to jump in it's listening to our creator base right. and they're asking for it they want alternatives they want to know 
can somebody else listen to this weird idea and can someone else iterate on the way this works and help me out and like offer these new features or these mm-hmm. new opportunities, not just for them, but for their backers and their communities. So it's, it's really important. Um, I hate to say that we're leveraging those relationships. We're just continuing it. And yeah. we're just, you know, that's why it wasn't that hard to convince a lot of people to use it. Like we have a really solid lineup of, of creators mm-hmm. Um, and it's really just continuing a discussion, not activating a new one. It's more just like, we're doing this thing now. Are you interested? What would you do if we did this? And mm-hmm. um, we got resounding feedback just from people saying, if you do this, we're in. If you do this, we're in. If you do this, we're in. So literally, um, I think what, 30 plus companies that because you launched, they had that website and you have your blog and it just like company, company. And it's like big ones, you know, <laughs> like you say before, big, restoration big ones, games, yeah. Cephalifer games and a lot of other, um, you know, companies. It's like, oh, wow, this is like a serious business. Uh, and it was, you know, it wasn't yeah. like a, a, a fly by night. My back gets been out for a long time. Uh, so then mm-hmm. let's get into that. Let's get into like the, the different, the, how needs changed. And one of the things that Danny and James talked about is the evolving nature of consumers, right? Mm-hmm. And consumers have, consumers have changed a little bit. I think like consumers are a little bit, I mean, it, you get them on a, get them on a certain day, they'll, they'll give you like certain words, you know, other days, right. they'll give nicer words, uh, but like Word I guess con- yeah. consumers have gotten a little bit more, have they learned to expect more? Let's say that. But uh, I think in the beginning, they more savvy. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's another one. Okay, no, they've gotten more savvy. Yeah. They've got, you know, because in, in the early days, it's like, okay, wow, uh, you could like Adam Pooh didn't have a game designed. Like it was just a bunch of right. art, you know. And then he, we we well, trusted him. I mean, he, the the concepts were there, but it wasn't like a it wasn't like today's games where it's like a Simon will will just like lay down. Here's the game, right? Uh, and it, yes. it was not like that back then. And I think there's more of a uh, a need to to have that to have like the almost finished game. As a as an example, uh, so then that's a great question. Yeah, this is this is a very interesting topic to me because I've been in the industry for so long and I've been backing games for so long. I think there's two. There's not a lot. I mean, there's gray area, but like what you're alluding to is there's this sell the concept and the idea via renders and mm-hmm. prototypes and scrappy being scrappy entrepreneurial putting it together. I could do this and more if you just help me out. Versus this game is complete shrink wrap ready to go we just need you to hit a button with very predictable like oh like these are the stretch goals they're gonna hit them all and it's just a matter of watching the ball drop Mm -hmm. like it's new year's you know you're just like it's gonna happen there's no matter what we do it's gonna happen and that Um, latter thing has happened more and more and i think more and more and more more. more. yeah yeah i might not be the best person to talk about this because i like the old way Mm. i i really appreciate i'm i'm a big champion for first time crowdfunding creators. Some of my favorite things to do at Backerkit is help empower, provide resources, have run live streams, have discussions with folks that are embarking on this for the very first time. They see other companies do it. Maybe it looks easy. They like, I have ideas, I can do it. I really, really pride myself on focusing on that segment of creator to make sure that they don't go down the same paths that some of the other people did that led to an unsuccessful project. We want to make sure that they're set up for success. Um, But on the other hand, I'm a big dork and I love like the (laughs) X-Men Simon project. I did, I skipped the first one for Marvel United because my wallet. uh, And then the second one, they had to bring the X-Men in. So I did a double all in pledge as if I just backed them both anyway. So they totally can get me too. Like, even though I, I really like the spirit of that scrappy first time project, I do like the big box straight, the manufacturing products mm. too. So 
I guess my short answer is there is room for both of them. It's just about listening to the unique needs of each creator because they're very right. different across categories, across experience levels, across how many, you know, how many projects have you run, what's your target audience, stuff like that. I think there's room for all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, really important for us to not just become a company that will help facilitate the bigger people to get bigger. We want newcomers into the scene. We want to, they're the, they're kind of, it's like, you're the future kids. Like I want to see the next <laughs> weird idea come to fruition. Right. I want to, I think it's really important to keep that sharp and mm-hmm. keep people putting out weird ideas, putting weird games out there. Even if they're hit or miss, it's like, we're trying to do something new. Otherwise we're just going to a store and we right. can just kind of be, it's just really predictable. So mm-hmm. I like that element of unpredictability uh, if possible. And I, I want to hear people's weird ideas and see how we can make it work. Um, right. Uh, like I'll right. give you one example is someone wants to crowdfund a pasta cart that, and I'm just like, let's figure it out. Let's make it work. And it's all about expectation setting, figuring out what your goals are and being very realistic about it based mm-hmm. off historical data patterns and your, your expectations. Expectation setting. Let's talk about that. Let's drill down because so here's where uh, Danny and James, I believe, and I don't want to put words in their mouth, but in terms of just kind of like translating what they were saying so that it became more difficult to set expectations properly in Kickstarter's ecosystem, right? So, cause the communication was difficult. Like, I mean, we could talk about moderation, how like the loudest voices tended to kind of penetrate and use the loudest voices were people with expectations, right? Okay, this project should have been this, this project should have been that. And it's like, it's hard to, you know cut through that noise when, you know you can't moderate those tools. Uh, and also just in terms of the general transparency. So it's like, you know, uh, maybe there's a there's an issue you know um contacting kickstarter directly that became very difficult right you know so it's like i you know they they, you know so they have a particular thing kickstarter is huge is huge so it's like okay who do i contact and you know oh this thing you know uh, is going a little bit wrong i need to uh, communicate kickstarter i need to communicate to the backers that i'm communicating with kickstarter fixing a problem and that then those like interactions all became over time you know, a little bit of gunk got in the system. I think, I think that's fair to say. So talk a little bit about it. I mean, cause you're watching this. Is that an assessment that you agree with? And if so, was that a, uh, a thing that was a, a factor in launching the new product pro- project? Yeah. Um, so I think I definitely agree with the sent- sentiments that you're saying, like it, it is becoming increasingly hard and it's not always a direct reflection of Kickstarter. Cause sometimes it's like, think about how many people launch projects on Kickstarter versus how many people work at Kickstarter versus this or that. So I can see how it would get difficult. It's like, you know, trying to get somebody at some, you know, big box store or yeah, online like site to help you out or... and get a human on the voice. Like sometimes <laughs> right. it's hard, but, but what I will say is, Yes, like it is those that that small percent of people, they speak very loudly and their expectations are usually off because it's one thing to teach someone about just crowdfunding in general and another one about production cycle and another one about budgeting and margins like you don't really want to swim in the mud about all the nuts and bolts about what it takes. You just want to set realistic expectations as in your funding goal or your delivery dates and, and have real estate on your site to be very transparent with your backers about not only how crowdfunding works, but how this specific project's going to work. Uh, and then also how you work. Like maybe you have kids at home or a lot of responsibility or you have something going on. So it's like, there's a human element to it that we often forget. Like I always joked, it's like, Next time I run a Kickstarter campaign or a crowdfunding campaign, my updates are just going to be like hyper real. And it's just going to be like, 
no update this week. I was hungry and I went to Disneyland. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's just people are people and we don't really talk about that much, like that right, much. Right, so, yeah. um, but you know, the, the dad advice I always give people is uh, it disappointments, just friction with expectation. And we see it mm. time and time again, not just in crowdfunding, but just anything in life. Like I thought it was going to be this way, but it happened that way. I'm angry. So I'm going to go on this platform and talk and the creator can't really do anything about it because I gave him one dollar. So now right. I just get keys to the castle. Um, and, you know, I've run three crowdfunding projects myself. And my first one was very uh, politically loaded and kind of mm. like it, like we had a lot of trolls on our on our what project. Was the, what was the project back in um, so the very first Kickstarter project I ever ran was a little over five years ago um, for a comic book with my brother. Uh, and it, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pepe the Frog. Yes, um, of the course. Meme. Well, well aware. Um, so my well brother, aware. <laughs> well, my brother created that character Ooh. way back in the day. So he's the artist that created Pepe in a zine called Boys Club in San Francisco. Just two two people living in San Francisco voting for like Bernie. So it's like, right. but then in 2016, it got twisted up and turned around and it got political and the alt-right uh, tried to just totally train wreck it. So mm -hmm. we're like, hey, like, I don't think it's a lot of people because the headlines are so juicy. Everyone's just going to hate this forever. So let's just do a Kickstarter campaign for the people that get it. And it was just called Save Pepe. And it was just this nice, like, we'll do another zine for you because you care. And we're like, it'll be like a hundred people. Who knows how many people? Because right that hate was so strong that we just couldn't fight it to people, you know? So we're like, all right, let's just put our, at least there's a statement from the creator saying, Hey, I'm just a chill dude living in San Francisco. This frog I made for my friends and copied them at like Kinko's and passed them out at art shows. Um, and then it got turned into a hate symbol. So that had some pretty heavy moderation needs that yeah. just, it just didn't really not much. I couldn't do much about it other than mm -hmm. like say, Hey, some stuff would disappear magically. Cause I think someone was watching it. Like it was really rancid or hit some algorithm or something, mm -hmm. but yeah, just didn't have a lot of control over the conversations there. And it, it wasn't like a wild, like troll party or anything like that, but that was going on like outside of Kickstarter for the most part. I mean, um, it, like when it comes to this ecosystem of cultivating community, any little mm -hmm. thing can disrupt that ecosystem. And, and, and we talked about, we trust, Right. I mean, trust right. is so fragile. So like even if it isn't like a wash in negativity or whatever it is, even that little bit can can, can upset the apple cart. So is the little backer kit offer moderation tools or improve moderation tools? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can confidently say 100 percent that that's going to happen. But to me, the crowdfunding ecosystem, especially when we're talking about moderation, tools that the creators can use, tools that the backers can use, especially to build community while you have a campaign going on. Like, you know, you want to talk and interact and give them a say, because a lot of backers are living vicariously through the creator. And they're like, they kind of want to create something soon. So they want to get in on the experience. Some people just want the thing too. And that's totally cool. But um, yeah, so right now, the way it works, just to like, if there's any like a misconception, right now we're in a private beta phase. Mm -hmm. So anybody can back a project, but the creators that we're picking right now are people that are pretty close to us. We have working relationships with them. They've used Backerkit historically, um, or they've expressed very specific interest in running a project on something other than an existing platform. So uh, we do have a team that kind of hand selects those and works with them and like sets those expectations. Um, and then as far as moderation goes, it's not a huge issue immediately because everybody that's using it, those 30, 50 plus projects that are committed to using it, 
they're all getting matched up with a handful of us and we're watching all of these projects mm -hmm. like a hawk. <laughs> so they're going to get the red carpet. So uh, if you're an early adopter, you're going to, you're going to get a lot of staff members helping mm -hmm. you out. Uh, I'm on a team personally where I'm working with, I think seven or eight projects right now that are launching within the next few months. And I talk to them every day. Um, like it is totally like a very just, you know, back and forth. What do you need? How can we help you? Oh, what do you want to experiment with? How can we help you do that? Like what, what's something missing? Um, so it's not immediately an issue, but what happens is we're going to be watching these projects very closely. We're going to be introducing a lot of new moderation tools and options or just things that backers can do. They can start their own threads, for example. They mm. we can run polls, for example. You can comment and yeah. rate, rate stuff and all that. So we're very experimental right now, testing a lot of new things and keeping a close eye on how backers interact with them and how creators can interact with them and how that kind of symbiotic relationship can thrive a little bit better. So unfortunately it's a to be determined, um, but sure. I think the key message here is that it's constantly evolving. And I think that's part of the problem. I think that's why we're in the situation we're in. In my opinion, my biased opinion, <laughs> the platform that's gonna succeed the most understands that it's up and down and mm -hmm. up and down, it's gonna change. And I think one of your uh, things we were talking about earlier was like, what's your five year plan or what, where mm -hmm. do you see this com coming in the future? Like. I think it would be a mistake to identify that quite honestly, because we can't see around the corner just yet. I think it's really important to listen to the creators, how they interact with their backers, keep a close eye on it, and then create tools based on their uh, needs as they, as they crop up. Not to, I mean, that's not saying there aren't obvious things that need to be done, like within content moderation and, and, and you know, having the creator have choice over some of those elements. Um, but I, I can't articulate them yet because we haven't like released it to the wild yet. It's, it's still a very like handholdy mm -hmm. experience, uh, experience right now, um, okay. which is good because that's how we learn and that's how we can like help the best in this right. moment while it's 30 people. When it, when the door blows open a bit, we're going to have very similar uh, challenges mm -hmm. that, that other platforms have because it, it can get out of control. That's totally reality. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as long as I think the, for me, the key is you're listening. Like, and I think that was the, right. the message that the creators that I spoke with before, like they didn't feel like Kickstarter was quote unquote listening uh, or right. at, at least in terms of that specific end of things, because, you know, Kickstarter, but, and you know, what's the good thing about Kickstarter, right? We're not just going to bash here. Like we're going to, we're being trying to be analytical here. The best thing totally. about Kickstarter, according to the, these creators is the visibility, right? I mean, it is, mm -hmm. it's basically a Kickstarter is to crowdfunding. I would like Kleenex is to tissue, right? It's just a, a Xerox totally. is yeah. to copiers, right? It's a branded thing. Right. So it's like, if something's on Kickstarter, then it's like, okay, it's already branded in the, in the person's mind. And also they have, you know, you mentioned before the email, but like, there's a lot that Kickstarter does in terms of keeping and maintaining and nurturing that big community, a very, very big community of people. So it's like, right. you know, going on to another crowdfunding, taking off, let's say, let's say a creator has done a bunch of stuff for Kickstarter. It's scary for them to go to another platform because will the people follow? Will they find new sure. people to replace the old people that have been uh, left sure. behind? Uh, is that a conversation that is happening amongst the creators that you've spoken with so far? Absolutely. And I think some of this is maybe just, I don't know, mis I'm not sure what the word is, but sometimes I, I'll talk to creators that, that, like what I said at the beginning of the interview is they think that 
Kickstarter is going to do most of the work for them. Mm. And there is this magical algorithm that people talk about, and we can guess exactly how it works. I think I've cobbled together kind of how it works, but a lot of it is still heavily reliant on you giving it that first injection of community. You know, like you have to have those folks lined up somehow, whether it's mm -hmm. your YouTube channel, your Discord channel, your email list, whatever, a combination of all of them going to conventions a lot and build, you know, building relationships, like all of these things have to come together to give you, you know, you hear it all the time, I'm sure first 48 hours of crowdfunding campaign are the most important. Yeah, it's projects because we love, you got to get on products we love. Yeah. Totally, which that's a whole nother discussion. I don't know. I've, I haven't seen that uh, really affect anything. It's more just like a acceptance, like a subconscious, like acceptance, hmm. kind of like, does mom and dad like what I'm doing? <laughs> like, yes, keep going. I was like, oh, okay. So it's more of an internal motivator, in my opinion. I don't think it really moves the needle on projects. Interesting. Okay. Um, you can challenge that, but I'm not Some sure. Some people, people really like, swear by that. Like, I, I've heard another creator. I won't, I won't say what their name is, uh, but I've said like, okay, if they, like they, they're one of their goals is to get on the projects we love. And if you don't know what that is, projects we love is, right. you know, you, you log on to kickstarter.com. They have the splash page, you know, like, okay, here's a bunch of stuff. And then there's, you know, product we love. And there's like three or however many projects that are, you know, funded, they're funded fast, they're funded, whatever. Uh, and, you know, that apparently helps with visibility past that initial burst. I don't know. <laughs> You're skeptical. Maybe. <laughs> I haven't. I, I'm very skeptical. You know, if I could choose to have it or not have it, I'd take it. It looks good. It's, it's platform validation and it can help in ways that aren't trackable, if you know what I mean. Like, oh, if I trust the platform and the platform trusts this creator, sure. yeah, sure. It's worth my money. So, like, I totally get that. And I think just jurally, it's nice. I just don't think it's going to do it. In my experience, people that fixate on the projects we love button are typically not asking the right questions or doing the right things to set them up for success. They're focusing on something that's very tangible and that has a very tangible outcome. Like I got the button or I don't get the button. So once you get the button, okay, you got it. Now what? Well, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I got the button. So it's just like, I, I usually uh, kind of try not to focus on that that much. Like I think there's more to it than that. And I think that can be challenged, sure, but um, I don't know. My high, I've run three projects. One of them didn't get it, and it made the most money. So I, mm. I personally, I don't see any difference. Um, and then we see it with projects all the time. Like some of the, some really big, cool projects don't get it. And the time I got it was I was just like on the phone with somebody, and they're like, "Oh, you want it? You got it." I'm just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> it's like cool. So uh, well, I don't know. Let's get back to the community aspect. Like you were saying, you were beginning to answer the question in terms of how, like if you're going to go to a new platform, how do you bring all of that community that's baked in the Kickstarter? You were saying about like with the legwork, with the the YouTubes and the Discords and the appearances and the conventions, like people don't need to be scared of that. Is that kind of where you were going with that? Yeah, as far as like, you know, you're asking if creators are hesitant too about like, oh, if I just run this on Kickstarter, it'll just do better because it's a household name and like how, right. like, so the assumption is that what I'm saying is, is a lot of it is you're bringing that initial burst of people to the platform. So you need to trust that and kind of like your audience will go with where you go. And you got to remember, we're, we're in the beta now and everybody that's using it has used Backerkit to a degree. Mm -hmm. So they're technically already Backerkit customers. They've already filled out a survey through Backerkit. They're already, um, you know, whether they're familiar with it as like a household name or not is, you know, whatever, 50-50 maybe. But um, 
a lot of the creators are like, oh, well, they've all used it. They know they've gone through the survey. They've used your pre-order store. Like they're, they've already kind of used it maybe in a more like passive way or something like that. Not, you know, obviously not the campaign, but a lot of people weren't super worried about that um, in, unless they were in the, on the side where they thought Kickstarter was totally responsible. We could have a whole separate discussion about like ref tags and like where those come from. Cause you know, you do, you can check the back end and you can see like, oh, it says it was, through the nav bar, through the newsletter we put out. Right, um, we can find where they're coming from. I think from that'd and... be a separate, I'm not super mm-hmm. capable of like picking that apart. I have opinions about it, but um, I think it, the best I could say about it is it, it might be a little misleading sometimes. So I want to make sure that people are owners of their own destiny in the sense that they understand the data that they're getting with these campaigns and not, you know, it, it shouldn't be super confusing where traffic's coming from. Something right. that we're working on behind the scenes a lot is those ref tags and referral like where the traffic's coming from. That's super important because those are the patterns that matter when it comes to reaching your funding goal. Like there could be a wild card, like a press release worked really well. And then it was on Polygon and then it went to here and then it went to here. Mm -hmm. So we can learn from that and then try and set people up for success. Um, I'll give you one quick example. I ran, I actually ran the third project on Backerkit uh, for an enamel pin project. I did pizza uh, enamel pins that come in little pizza boxes. Um, which is, I got the prototype of it too. It's really cool. Little box here, but, uh, uh if you watch, something... if you look at the podcast, it is a tiny box <laughs> with a little, that little like box a little, that looks like a pizza box and it just opens and it's there. It's, it's just a little pizza box. It's, you can hear it. Yes. The 3d people on sonar, they can't visualize it in 3d. Um, but yeah, basically my point is that it's really important to see where that stuff comes from. And a lot of that, I think, you know, we, we talk about press releases and, and creators working together. I did a cross promotion with another creator that was, uh, had a project while mine was going on. And we just put our heads together and started like sharing ways that we could share each other's project. And, you know, whether it's through the survey, whether it's through updates, whether it's through a cool like giveaway, we just started experimenting with a bunch of stuff and backer was totally cool with it and helped build tools around what we wanted to do and just mm-hmm. kind of listen to that experience. And for me, it was really fruitful because something that I'm trying to create uh, through this platform is ways for bigger, more established creators to connect with maybe first time more novice creators and kind of help them through mm-hmm. the journey. So if we can help facilitate the partnering of projects, like, mm. um, you know, I know, uh, you know, there's a Gloomhaven project coming out uh, with like miniatures of Gloomhaven and that team's very uh, expressed quite a bit that they they want to make sure this is a platform for everybody, not just big ones like themselves, because mm-hmm. they were small at one point too. So they, they have a lot of empathy for that type of creator. So if I could match that company with two or three smaller companies and they can kind of cross promo each other, obviously mm-hmm. the needle's going to go more one side than the other. But it's just that like, raising up that I think we need more of like a lot of creators once they reach success they might just be too busy or they might not have time or they just might not have the skills to cross promote or, or you know because it's a very busy busy lifestyle um, and there's not a ton of profit for a lot of people even if it seemingly is really great publicly there's so many costs involved and so many like yeah. and um, there's and hurdles. there's so much fewer attention attention available so like you know back in the day you had 10 projects like I remember Gloomhaven Gloomhaven launched, it was around, there was Gloomhaven and Seven Continent. And those are the two big mm-hmm. projects that were there. Oh, right, right. And there was a couple of others. Uh, I think there's a, a, a Abyssal or something or other. But like it wasn't a lot. Like nowadays, or may, maybe like, you know, 2019 would be like the peak of Kickstarter. Like, you know, you could log right. on and have like, you know, watch your wallets. You know, you can you right. can have like literally $1,000 worth of options plus. 
Uh, so the, the, the right. mind share is limited. So I can see some creators at least, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if I help this person that, you know, am I kind of giving attention away? Am I, am I gonna, you know, is, it, is there, um, is there only so much attention to go around, so to speak? So a little bit of a hunkering down effect. Not that that's inevitable, but like I can see some people getting into that mindset. Clearly you are right. in a different direction. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's totally real. There's, there's, I mean, right now it's great because you go browse on Backerkit. There's, it's a manageable amount of projects. But you know, we hope that 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 kind of gets gets larger and more people come to the party here. But uh, yeah, on Kickstarter, it's very similar. I back stuff across all categories, across all projects, and there's there's a handful every day that I, I would love to back. But it's just so overwhelming. It's like the streaming wars. It's like how do you even decide yeah. what to watch anymore? There's just <laughs> there's way too much going on. Like right, right. I, yeah. people are like Kickstarter, like Netflix is going down. I'm like really, I'm. I, everyone's talking about it all the time it's just there's just a billion shows so we can't you know mm -hmm. back in the day there was like four shows on at any given time and that was it so we could talk about mash or something but now it's just impossible so yeah, i think even there's something netflix, similar going like, on when it, when netflix was the only streaming yeah. service it was like this was not this is nice they have the office they have whatever and now it's like where's yeah. the office where's this where's that uh they so just juggle I, them all around Mm -hmm. Yeah, so but, but for crowdfunding, yeah. it's it's similar because there's just so there's so many categories, there's so many things on offer, and it's very you know something that Kickstarter has really helped enable is how accessible it is to a lot of people. Like you can follow resources, follow guides, and launch your project without a lot of blockers. You know, mm -hmm. like people, nobody's telling you no. You can you just kind of go through the motions, follow the rules. You can launch your project, whether you're ready or not, is a different story. Mm -hmm. But it's very accessible for, for people, you know, it's, it's, it's really attractive, uh, especially right. now with the, the state of the world and everything being in flux. I think people want to be owners of their destiny a little bit more these days. So crowdfunding mm -hmm. is, in my opinion, almost a greater opportunity than it's ever been. So I'm really excited that we're like jumping in at this point because we're just seeing a lot more people saying, you know what, I've always wanted to do this thing or make this thing. Now's the time. So we want, we, we kind of want to be there uh, when that happens because um, cool. we're just seeing that pattern more and more and more. A lot of newcomers coming into the scene, even though it's been around for over a decade. Mm -hmm. So then, so there's backer kit. We also have game found and we also have mm -hmm. a, a bunch of other different competitors. And I don't want to go into the weeds of like each one, but I think there's sure. one that really leaps out in terms of a distinction. So game found is dedicated, is a dedicated board gaming site. It's owned by a board gaming mm -hmm. company. They, they, they put out board games and all that kind of stuff. And, and it works for some people and it, some people are comfortable with that. So then, and I talked to creator about this, like why backer kit was so attractive was because of the cross promotion. I can get little pizza boxes. I can get comic books. Mm -hmm. I can get, uh, you know, and so what that creator wanted was that cross pollin pollination, not just between big and small creators, but the different weird projects that like, if I'm coming right. and I want to back shiny D20, then there's a board game next to it. Maybe I have this cross pollination. Right, right. So is that simply a kind of style and taste thing, which is okay. Or are there like real numbers to back up the fact that like, if someone backs a shiny D20 project, they're more likely to back a <laughs> board game. Yeah. I don't have like hard data across that, but I will say that I totally agree with your sentiment of, I, I think one of the things that will help us stand out in comparison to, to game pound, for example, is that it, it's every category, any weird idea you've got, go for it. And the, the pizza boxes, for example, some of the best audiences that I shared that with, like they're people that are really into board games and video games mm. and comic books and art. So like 
it wasn't exclusive to any one category. And there is, there, I mean, there is a lot of cross pollination like that. Like I don't back just board games. I get some people are just, just gamers for life and that's it. There's nothing else in the world. And I totally respect that. But yeah, I think there is, you know, that was a discussion that the team had had like uh, about how to approach that. And I think it just, it was pretty unanimous that it's for everybody. You know, like we want to make, you know, we want cool things put in the world by cool people and we don't want to put any limitation on what that cool thing is. That said, I can see a marketing advantage or a company advantage to kind of tunnel visioning one category because then you can iterate and kind of um, change and, and listen and respond just with that one focus instead of having to go across the board. Um, but I think we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we just kind of picked one category and just went to town with it. Um, I think it'd be interesting to let the creators decide what the most popular categories are and we can look for those patterns. So it's, it's a really interesting time for publishers, both for books and comics, like the Brandon Sanderson novels that he, he worked with Backer Kit. He did the uh, four books he wrote during the pandemic and it was the number one by far Kickstarter project. Over, but what, we had a front row seat to that. He, <laughs> yeah, he used Backer Kit before he even launched, he agreed to it. We had a oh, wow. plan with him and that was just beyond our wildest expectations, but that was fantastic. And it's just a, t- a testament to hopefully books. I want books to come back a little bit and just, you know, people are reading and, and creating comic books. I, I'm a big advocate for comic books as well. I've worked at comic store for years and years and years. Um, so I just love seeing those. And yeah, most comic book readers I know also play video games, most comic store or board games, most comic book stores you go to also sell board games or magic cards mm-hmm. or RPG dice. You know, there's all kinds of cross promo there. So yeah, to, I mean, to answer your question, I think I think it's great to, to just look for those patterns and we'll be in control of the data a little bit more and can probably have cooler insights on on what that exactly is as we mm-hmm. mature the platform. So there's no like there's not a lot of available data right now. It's more of just like, a, a you know, there's something we're observing, you know, and, and it makes sense. And we'll see. Right. And I think that's kind of what, you know, going back to the, the competition aspect. Uh, the competition of like, okay, here's one company that's doing it one way. Here's one company doing it another way. Third company doing it right. a third way, and let the best person, let the best company. Well, actually, I'll ask that. I'll ask that um, in this way. So, like, do you see it as a competition? Do you see it as like the best company wins, so to speak? I, 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 I I'm a. I guess I have capitalism on the brain because that's kind of like you, do. you know, like uh, that's. that's the, <laughs> I know. I need to. Un, I need to un, unplug there. Uh, but is that? A, a is that a thing that you're looking for? Is like, are you looking to outcompete GameFound? Are you looking to outcompete? You know, is, you know, is market share a limited resource, and you know, you're going for the biggest slice of the pie possible, or is there another way to think about it? I think there's another way to think about it. I I think it it would be pretty unhealthy to approach it from that angle, uh, okay. like a competitive angle, um, because then you're just, it's just like a Tom and Jerry episode or something. You're just trying to one up each other. And then, and then the more that you try and go back and forth and back and forth, the creator experience and the backer experience can get blurry and you can start to ignore, you know, it's like parents fighting and then they ignore the kids. Like we keep all eyes on the creator experience and the backer experience and we go where they go. So if they want to go with backer kit, we help them. If they want to go with Kickstarter, we help them. If they want to go with GameFound, they want our help for some way will help them it's not really about choose us over them or this or that obviously as a company we would like them to use backer kit as this as this grows and of course we would want the market share and all that stuff but not at the expense of like a battle or trying to 
downplay other platforms or anything like that. Like it's, it's an ecosystem. We can all be friendly. I think competition is very healthy in almost any, any of these endeavors. I think crowdfunding specifically, there hasn't been an, a big key player in a, in a long time. Some would argue ever that could go up against uh, the effectiveness of Kickstarter. But um, in my five years at Backerkit, obviously it's, I have faces and names and people I consider family working there. So I'm very biased, but this is the team that can do it. They're very compassionate. They're very smart. They're very forward thinking. They're very empathetic for not only just the human condition, but like the experience of crowdfunding. I've just, everybody that's come through this door has just been such an amazing person to meet that when this was announced, like to an official capacity, I'm like, this, this makes sense. And I'm super glad I'm here to witness like (laughs) this where I'm at, because, um, it's it's a you know it's less than 50 people right now over there it's a very scrappy team like people people are just really really focused and really dedicated so mm-hmm. i have a lot of uh, trust in in that so i'm really eager to see how this how this thing grows like like a lot of people are yeah <laughs> um, I mean, I but know. i have a lot of i have a lot of faith in it it's funny because it's like you use words like compassion. Like, you know, I'm a compassionate person, compassion focused. I, I practice compassion focused therapy as a psychotherapist. I mean, this right. is these are not words I'm used to, right? And and compassion right. for me and empathy in these words, these are the things that in that need to happen in order to do community, right? That that's it, at the end of the day, what exactly. these what needs to be. So it's like like Kickstarter, they say it. They like that it's in there, like, you know, well, we, we're for the creator and we're for the community, but like the actions aren't quite matching up. Uh, GameFound is doing its own thing, right? And I, I don't necessarily like, you know, they, they're not going to turn down community, but it isn't like kind of a front facing thing over there. I think it's more like, you know, excellence and you know, all these great projects and everything. Sure, I think sure. the, in terms of the like what you're offering, like you're going to come here. A, a, you know, into this bagger kit and you're going to just, I don't know, like be hugged and kissed and be, <laughs> I don't know, have your needs listened to like that. That's such a fuzzy thing, sure. but you know, with years of, of background, that's kind of what you're, you know, putting your, um, your chips on. Right. Yeah. We, I mean, we've been doing that for years. Like anyway, like we, we work in parallel with customers and the trust have with our customers is priceless because the product doesn't exist without them and their input and the communities that they're bringing to the table. Like, like I said earlier in the conversation, we're not inventing these things. We're, we're listening and reacting. So we're not just being like, I think it'd be good to do add-ons or I think it'd be a good idea to do this new email strategy. It's not us just like having a think tank and coming up with these ideas. It's creators telling us, and even crowdfunding by Backerkit is, a handful of creators that we had really good relationships with saying you should you should do this <laughs> because it will help us bring to fruition what we're working on in a in a way that we would like to move you know move forward so it's really just maintaining that trust and and continuing that momentum with with our community while hopefully getting more and meeting new people you know keeping the door wide open to anybody that wants to bring their ideas to life i think it's just really important and I'm not going to say everyone's going to get the full red carpet like they're getting now because we're in a beta mm-hmm. phase. But hopefully the things we learn, the patterns we identify are going to be best practices moving forward where people can have, you know, it's kind of like starting the game ahead, like having a little bit of a head start. You know, we want to make sure that all of those things are shared across the board, not held tight. I don't, you know, we're, we're not super interested in like, oh, it really worked for this creator. Let's keep it secret so we can do it again next time, but bigger. Mm-hmm. It's like, open the floodgates, let, let everybody else do their version of that, you know, and, and see. Uh, so it's more about creating a menu of options for creators to take hold of instead of like just single paths. Like you have to go down this ride this way, you know? Right. 
Okay. So let's talk about the, the companies that have signed on. So mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm trying to look for the the blog over there, that, but there's a lot of them that have, that have logged on. Uh, so we mentioned Restoration and Cephalofair. Um, what are some of the other bigger companies that gamers would know uh, that have that are they're going to launch projects on crowdfunding? Well, if we're talking about gamers, yeah, you mentioned the big ones. I think the, the miniatures of Gloomhaven is going to be big. We've got um, Unstable Games coming out with a, a yet-to-be-announced uh, title, I believe. Uh, Monty Cook Games, mm-hmm. uh, Restoration Games, Maestro Media, uh, Leader Games, who I'm working with now. We're doing some custom art for Gen Con with them as well. That's going to be really cool. Oh, Leader uh, Games is big, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Root, Oath, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, Thundergriff. Uh, let me see. I got a list here. Greater than games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Tuesday night games, exalted funeral, which is running a campaign right now um, for land of Eam, a really cool new uh, family friendly RPG um, ninth level games. Uh, Roll and play actually ran one and it's already come and gone. Uh, XYZ game labs. who I've got uh, friends with over there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that's like most of them, but there's still a lot more coming out. Uh, the next, uh, uh, I think, Actually, I can't say that one yet. I don't want to. I don't want to slip. I think one of them's not official, <laughs> official, but I'm very excited about it. So right. I, I got to bite my tongue a little bit. But so I, it's I, a um, great. It's a great lineup. Yeah. Right. And so, like, it's. Tell me about the process of. You mentioned before. You, you alluded to it before. I'd like to elaborate on that. Where, like, you know, you would talk to creators, and they'd say, "Okay, if you give me this, I want. I want it. If you give me this, I want it. If you give me this, I want sure. it." Were there um, through lines, uh, that you know, that were pretty common and. You know, and whether it's like, okay, if that, if that company is in, I'm in, did that, did some of that happen too? Um, I didn't, I wasn't super active in a ton of those conversations. I wasn't like the, the, the seller in all those cases. I sat in on a few of people I had relationships with, cause I've been going to conventions for five years with Baggerkit, running booths and doing live streams with guests and stuff. So, I mean, I've been, been around the block, but it, overwhelmingly, a lot of this was people were kind of agreeing to it before we even agreed to do it. Like they were just saying, if you do this, we will join you. Like if you do this, uh, people identified that if another company were to get into this uh, crowdfunding business, it should be backer kit because mm-hmm. they've had such good experiences with the tools that they've used before and after their campaign. They're like, it would be great if we could just do it the whole way through. So I think one of our strict advantages, uh, and I don't mean to like stray from the question too much is, it's pretty full service from conception of the idea. Like mm-hmm. I have an idea. I want to build my list. I want to prototype it. Like we have resources and launch marketing tools from the very beginning. Now it leads into the campaign itself. And then it will lead into the pledge management and surveys and backer fulfillment at the end. So it's really a, a much longer process window than what even Kickstarter offers or, or, or uh, some other competitors, it's it's beginning, middle, and end. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's very comfortable for creators to have everything under one roof. Um, right. I think if I any of the I, platforms yeah. did that, it would be great. I guess yeah. I'm imagining that this was like a big sell job and like a big, uh, you know, uh, I, we have an idea. And I imagine if a new player came into this space, right? If someone, you know, a fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever it is, they came in, mm-hmm. they have to like kind of start from scratch. Then it's like they, there's a, a, a sell process. It was much different sure. because of you, you establish a track record. So like in a way yeah, that backerkit experience isn't very replicable now, you'd have to like get in and do these backend things for years and years in order to mirror what how you guys are doing it. Yeah. So in that way, I'm not going to say it was like easy or I don't want to oh, like no. humble brag yeah. or anything like that. But like what we're talking about, trust, relationship building, 
setting up proper expectations and then following through, you know, making promises and then following through with them. It's all very important. And everybody you see on this lineup and then the next hundred that you'll probably see, we've established that a long time ago. Like it's not, there's no new introductions really. There's no new like sell pitches or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Like it's really just a continuation of a relationship and kind of bringing it to the next level. You know, it's like now we can just do the whole cycle. So yeah, I, I would say that it was very organic in that way where there wasn't a lot of pushback. I, I'm not aware of many people that we even offered it to passed on it if it wasn't right. for a, more of a logistical reason. Like, oh, well, the wheels are moving on this project. We're going to launch it on this platform still, mm-hmm. but we'll consider you for the next one. You know, so um, it was overwhelmingly positive and it was very heartwarming to see that because I know a lot of people that's that's decades of hundreds of people through the years, uh, their work uh, kind of all put together to build that trust. So um, it was very, it was a little scary, but also very heartwarming to like prove it and like Mm -hmm. have an opportunity to like uh, stress that relationship and be like, are we, are we really that close? (laughs) And it's like, yes, we are. So uh, it was very, it was very nice to see that reaction that we got. I was um, not shocked, but just kind of humbled by it. Like, oh, this is cool. This is special <laughs> that we can jump into the scene and make things happen really quickly. Because um, it's it's a big lineup, and every one of those thirty plus projects is a lot, a lot of time and energy and compassion for for going both ways um, and patience. So it's it's been very rewarding. Yeah, and so like I, you you kind of preempted my last question, but that's okay. Uh, that you know the the future, the five year plan. Like we we're we're not doing the five-year plan, right? We're what we're what we are doing here. It sounds like is focusing on relationships, focusing on trust, building that community, one person at a time, or one group at a time, one project at a time, and come what may, right? Uh, right. And so it can because you've been, you know, or Backlog has been in the game for a long time. It's like you have there's a track, and then the track has you know come, and then the track isn't going to like explode into like <laughs> some crazy direction. But you know, right. so it's like it's a, there's a trust in your own direction that like, you know, the track has been going for 10 plus 10 years, it will continue to go in a manageable direction. We'll kind of see what comes. Is that kind of the the attitude? I think so. Yeah. And I hope I'm not coming across as like naive or overly romantic because it is hard work. Like, and, and the relationships and the trust that we have with people is very, very precious. And we don't want to meddle with it. You know, we wouldn't do this if we thought it would have a negative effect on these creators who have spent in some cases, their lifetime building up to these moments of crowdfunding. So, I mean, there's some big projects. You, you, you can look into the history of at least 10, 15 of these projects and they're over 100K projects. It's, their, it's how they feed their families. It's how they get to their next project. Like, we don't want to mess with that at all. We just want to continue it and help foster it and grow it. So it's, it, it took a lot of thought and a lot of consideration and a lot of confidence building just to be like, we got to make sure we're doing a responsible thing as well. Not, not disrupting people's momentum. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're in it to make projects bigger. We're in it to make people feel better about their launches, more confident about their launches. We want backers to feel more involved and have more of a say in like what happens in a, in a controlled environment. That's like back and forth, not just like one-sided. Um, so I think all of those things kind of put together creates what I think is just a really interesting opportunity to uh, just level level everybody up and bring in some new players along the way. I, th- I think there's just so much potential involved. And, you know, one of our biggest fears is just 
plateauing or just you know, like kind of getting to a point mm. where we're not iterating or so like I have no I have I have like no doubt that we're never going to like get to that point at least internally as a team we're always trying to figure out what's the next new thing how can we create the next new thing or or help facilitate in a new way and if something works really really well keeping that baseline really strong because you don't want to like um ignore things that work really well even if it's kind of simple it's like well everybody does it does this so you should do that but then you can you know give yourself some flexibility to experiment as well i mean speaking of the five years and not knowing what's going to happen we did we've gone through a you know two or three years of pandemic at this point supply chains and that kind of stuff i think the you know looking at the kickstarter project from the outside you know we're not seeing the mega like the occasional flare of brandon sanderson but like for the most part the there's just not a lot of attention the project is slowed down and etc so, I mean, is that a, like, how did that, how does that affect your business? How did that affect the launch? Because you launched right in the middle of all this stuff. Uh, I mean, is that, did that play in, is it like, well, this model is actually more durable, uh, you know, answering some of the stuff going on. Like, how did that play? How did the new reality play into back to kit? Yeah. Like, I mean, much like we're talking with crowdfunding, it's just the, the theme is constantly evolving and changing. Like we're, we're all going forward in a way we've never done in our generation before, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, the corny thing, everything you always see it. We're in this together and all that stuff, like totally, like we're all sick of hearing it, but it's very true. Like we are in it together and we are trying to uh, hit these ebbs and flows together in a way that's sustainable where we can like, you know, find some peace and, and calm between the chaos and stuff like that. So I don't think that was like any kind of blocker for us. Like, Oh, the world's different. We should probably not take this risk right now or do mm-hmm. this thing right now. I, I don't think that was ever really part of the conversation. Again, it just circles back to if the creators are ready for it, if they're willing to do it, if they think it's going to enrich their experiences, we're going to give it a go. Um, and enough of them had said it where we're like, I, I think it's time. There's so many people that want to do this with us that we, owe it to them based off our past experience to, to just do it. Um, so it was very exciting to see that kind of pile up and then get to a point uh, where we have to do that. And to address your part about the state of the world and different, it all boils back to expectation setting. That gives mm-hmm. us an opportunity to talk about budgeting more. That gives us an opportunity to talk about manufacturing cycles more, uh, comparative you know, testing, like don't just go to this place because someone loved it. Like try it out. So there's just a lot of resource and kind of knowledge opportunities there where we can learn and then we can, um, you know, and and we can align with people that are the experts and we can teach people like how to navigate all of these things. But uh, there's no point where the, the amount of stress that we're getting from the world should stop people from doing these projects that are often therapeutic, often like life changing, often, bucket list number one. So um, I think now is the time more than ever to take these risks and be a little bit more bold as, mm-hmm. as a creator as well. So if anybody's listening, that's thinking about like crowdfunding or doing something, I would highly, like, it's easy for me to say, like, don't just, but just try, you know, just start yeah. somewhere, start with friends and family, start with your neighbors, your coworkers, and try and build some interest mm-hmm. and, and let, you know, it's, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast, but I think we need yeah. we need more we need more independent creators than ever in my opinion right now to be sappy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm buddies with AJ Porfirio at Van Ryder Games, and I remember mm-hmm. he was launching the first Final Girl, and this was like right as things were shutting down. So it's like, should I launch? Should I do whatever? Right, right. And then, but they, but like you said, wheels are turning, and it's hard to kind of slow trains down. So it's like, you know what? 
well, let's just see what happens. And then there being a 200, a 2 million plus project or whatever it was. I mean, the, the second one was, yeah. but the first one was successful as well. And it, it was a total surprise. And I think it was one of those things right. where the trust in the community plays in because we were all locked down and we all just want to be part of something, you know, right. and, just, and we happen to be, we're going to get a product at the end of it, but the way they ran it, the way they were open about it, the way there's like, well, I don't know. And they, they were really human in their interactions. People right. saw that and they really came together. So I think, you know, we end this on a really optimistic note that like, even though the world's changing, even though it's scary to go to, from Kickstarter to other places, there's all these uncertainty and, and, you know, you throw up your hands and stuff, the value of community and the value of connecting with people that will guide you through a lot of different issues. And I'm really ha- happy. I'm, it's, it's, it's so heartwarming because that's what I believe but it's such a hard thing to kind of like see it implemented in a company, right? That's really cool. Right, and I know right now we're setting the stage and making promises and we haven't had the time to fulfill them yet, but uh, I would encourage you to just stay tuned and keep an eye on it and people give us feedback, but you know, I see it's it's gonna be a really positive thing for the creator community and the backer community. And uh, I just think it's, it's, it's an exciting time. And I think a little bit of competition or you know throwing a throwing a wrench in it a little bit well I, th- I think it'll better all of the platforms because then we're all going to start you know thinking of things and, and you know in, in new ways and exciting ways and and it's all in the service of creators so I, I, I think creators just have more options now and I think that's a great thing so we'll, we'll go where, where they want us where they want us to go that's consumers just back at a dollar level see what happens <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, so uh, so speaking of you know commun- uh, people are connecting where can they connect with backward and find out what's going on so you can connect with us, uh, obviously, backerkit.com. Our socials are just all at backerkit. Uh, we're going to be heading to Gen Con in August. We're actually taking over this room called the First Exposure Playtest Hall. Uh, we're just sponsoring the whole room this year because we have so many exciting things to like talk about and so many uh, customers on the, the dawn of launching something. So if you're going to Gen Con, that's a place you can see us. Uh, probably create a, a Discord channel for that as well for people to join. Uh, we're at the dawn of Discord here. We have it very slowly building. Uh, with the people that are involved in our crowdfunding platform, but I'm going to start opening up the door to more resource-oriented things for newcomers and stuff like that as the um, weeks go by. So just stay tuned to backerkit.com, sign up for our newsletters and those announcements. That will be the first place you'll you'll hear about it. Um, but yeah, it should be should be pretty exciting uh, stuff from a resource point of view as well, and just from a backer point of view, just backing these cool projects and supporting them. All right, Jason at Backer Kid, thank you so much for uh, spending a lot of time. We got into the nuts and bolts, which is what this series is all about. Uh, we wish you the best of luck here at Chef Stories and One Stop Co-op Shop. All right, appreciate the opportunity. Love love the chat. Yeah, you had some really great questions, so I appreciate you uh, hanging in there with me for over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you can change your mind, you can change the world, people. So until next time, later, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list.